stuff like that. Uh, we're so glad that you're here. We started our series, Wage War. It, it, at, how, how powerful was it last week for some people? Yes? Yes? You walked out and you're like, I need to get my life right, God. Come on. Let's do this. And some of us walked into our houses like, devil, you can't live here no more. You don't pay no rent. Running up my water. Um, we started this series, Wage War, and it's about um, spiritual warfare. Because the Bible says the battles that we face are not physical in nature, but they're spiritual. They're spiritual. And so before I move any further, let's pray. Father, we just believe that right now, Holy Spirit, you're going to fill me with all of you, that I may preach a word from your throne. Lord God, let the hearts be fertile soil for, to receive what you have for us. We just thank you for all that you're doing right now. And the whole church said, amen, amen. So, yeah, uh, <clears throat> we're going to talk about it real quick. The, I know this coronavirus thing is like sweeping nation and hysteria and things like that. But I just want to let you know, family, like, I take it seriously. That's why we put stuff in the back. But at the same time, let's go through the history of things that we've made it through, right? Bird flu, swine flu, SARS. What else was there? Ebola. We made it through, y'all. God's got us, right? We made it through measles, chicken pox, whatever. Like, I know, I know it's a time... Like, again, I really think more than anything, especially with this virus going around, I really just believe that the Lord is calling this nation to wash their hands better. That's it. That's it. Just wash your hands. That's all. He's just like, you know what? Some of y'all ain't washing your hands too right. And so the Lord is like, let me put it in their hearts to wash your hands. And so just know that with everything, if you feel like, that's the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, giving you wisdom and discernment to be like, yes, 20 to 30 seconds, hot water, some soap, get in between the fingers too. You know, especially if you have kids, wash your hands. Have some Purell. It's okay. Amen. And that's the word of the Lord right there, right? Y'all remember in the Bible when God, when Jesus was going and, and like washing people's feet? I mean, imagine during that time washing people's feet. They didn't have no Purell. And then Peter was like, oh, no, Lord, you don't have to wash my feet. And the Lord's like, well, I got to if you're ever going to enter heaven. He's like, all right, wash my feet, wash my hands, and wash my head. So that's just a little thing for you guys. When you go home, wash your, wash your feet, your hands, and your head, and get it all at one time. Why not? Um, last week, we started this series called Wage War, and last week we spoke about identifying the enemy, that if we're going to wage war, that if we're going to fight all of, all of hell and we're going to fight the enemy, we've got to identify the enemy. Did anyone after last week realize any toxic behaviors in themselves that, were, that they were like, wow, that might have not been the enemy, that just might have been me, right? Right? Amen. You don't have to raise your hands, it's okay. I'll, there you go, there you go. There you go. There you go. But 
you identify, sometimes we want to look at, we, want, we think we're waging war, a spiritual battle, but sometimes we just need to identify the toxic behaviors within ourselves. And then when we do, I believe the Lord allows us to see what's spiritual and what's just us. And there are things in, in myself as a pastor and in us that we need to identify that if we're ever going to fight this battle effectively, we need to say, God, I need you to change this about me. I noticed this about me. Holy Spirit, he brought up this behavior about me. And so this is, this is more me than it is the devil. And I, we, I want to tell you that spiritual attack typically happens when you're advancing the gospel. So when you're advancing the gospel, when you're, when you're saying, hey, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to read my word, I'm going to pray for people, I'm going you know, to stand in the gap for my family, I'm going to break generational curses, that's when spiritual attack typically happens. Right? So some of you guys are like, oh, I'm being spiritually attacked. And it's just like, no, you're just exhibiting a bad behavior. You're gossiping a lot. You're spending a lot of money when you don't got it. You're not stewarding properly. You're treating your relationships pretty poorly. You're not reaching out. You're not loving on people right. You're just using people. Like, see, it's stuff like that that you identify and you're like, wow, that's, I don't think I was classifying that as spiritual and that was just me. This week, <clears throat> talking about a little bit different. Anyone, everyone, anyone have a job ever, right? Right? You ever have a job once in your life? I wish that was like, yeah, I had this one job a long time ago, and now I'm a millionaire. Um, but that's not the story. But anyone, right, you have a job. Anyone work at like a McDonald's or a restaurant? Can you raise your hands if you've been a server? All my servers out there, I've been that life. Bus boy. Um, right? You, you work at a restaurant. Or, and if you haven't, if you've had the pleasure of not working at a restaurant or working in the food service industry, or if, have you, anyone ever played a sport? You play sports growing up, right? Right? Who, who, what, what sports do you play? You can shout them out. Bowling. Bowling. Oh, bowling. Hey. Softball. Rugby. Soccer. Yeah. Ice hockey. Ice hockey. So everyone's played a sport, and you ever, you ever show up to that sport without your equipment, right? How silly do you look? So uh, a couple years ago, I worked at a job, and the only requirement I needed to do my job when I got there was my shirt. And so I get there. I was actually a little early because I was feeling good. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna about, about to clock in. And then I'm like, oh. I don't have my shirt. I don't have my shirt. Oh my gosh. And you know, I was broke, broke then. So it's not like if they were going to dock me an hour to go home and get my shirt, I'd be like, that's a whole $12 just gone. Like, what, what's going on? And so I go to my managers. I'm like, hey, forgot my shirt. They're like, well, your options are you can go home, get your shirt, and come back. Or, you know, uh, we could see if we have one. I was like, could you guys check and see if you have an extra one? They're like, yeah, I know we have some back there. And so I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not prepared for work. I'm not. I'm not prepared. It's my fault. And they're like, yeah, we'll go back and we'll find. And then they're like, whatever we got, like, you can wear that. I was like, yes, awesome. This is exciting. I don't have to go home. I'm going to be here. So they go to the back. And at that time, I was like a 2X pushing a 3X, right? And so I get there, and they're like, all right, we have some shirts. And I was like, yes, what's up? And they're like, we 
We've got a large and a woman's medium. <laughs> and I was like, huh? And they're like, and so I was just like, all right, well, whew, let me try that large on. So I go in the bathroom. I sucked in with all my might, all that I could, all that I could, and I put on the large, and it fit, but you ever wear a shirt that fits but doesn't sit comfortably? You know, you know them widow shirts that you wear sometimes, that you got to keep on pulling at the bottom like, you know, I look, my arms, even though I wasn't muscular, I looked like I was about to rip out of it. Like it was buddy love turning into a, a clump again. Like I was just like, oh God, if I flex, like this is gonna rip. And so I was just like, well, I can't go home now. So I wore the large shirt for the entire day. I felt uncomfortable. I felt my customers felt uncomfortable because they're like, should we be seeing all this right now? Um, and so it was just, the shirt was too small, it was too small, and I was unprepared for work, and, and I wasn't ready. And after, like, starting this series called Wage where I realized that there are a lot of Christians who are falling in the same two categories, that there's a war being fought for your soul and for the soul of your family, and we're forgetting one of two things. A, we're forgetting that we need to put on our spiritual armor to fight this battle, Right? We don't even know to put it on. We don't even know that we need this to fight these battles. Or B, the armor that we are putting on is too small. What do you mean it's too small? I mean, like, you're living off of a word. You're living off of a, of, of, you're living off of a word that you received when you were younger that doesn't apply to the season of maturity that you're in now. And so we put on this small armor, we put on this armor that doesn't really fit, it's not, it's not working, and you're like, well, God, I read my Bible like three years ago, and you made me this promise, and I know the promises, but we're not reading our Bible daily to make sure we're wearing the right exact armor that fits us for the battle that we're fighting now. When we, like the scripture says it right here, it's not going to come up on the screen, but in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, it says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But we, when I became a man, I put my childhood ways behind me. There are a lot of Christians who don't understand that as you walk with Christ, you are maturing in the Lord, and you are growing in the Lord, and your faith is growing, and your stature is growing, but sometimes what we do is we go back to these childish things and think it's going to work in this new season of maturity. And it's not going to work. Just like that large shirt didn't work for me and I was uncomfortable all day, the word that you received when you were an adolescent, the word that you received last season isn't going to work in this season because this season requires a different type of armor. It, and I'm not saying it's a whole different type. It just needs to fit you right. Right? So last week we, we read on Ephesians, and we're going to read through it this week. And we're going to start off in 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of the dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Notice that it says, put on the full armor. Some of us want to put on the armor that only looks good. But anyways, I know. Listen, if I'm coming for your living room today, I don't mean to intentionally. This is just the word of God, y'all. Like, he put it in me this way because there are times in my life, it made me reevaluate my life and be like, well, am I still putting on armor that doesn't fit? Don't get me wrong. The word is good for each and every part of our life, but there are some words that God is like, I need this for this season right now. God, I, I need you to give me wisdom now. I need new, new, a fresh revelation from you right now because if I don't get it from you now, I'm not going to make it into the next season. And so it says, <clears throat> picking up in verse 13, it says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that you, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to everything to stand. So stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of praise and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. In the name of Jesus and everyone said, amen. A little bit of backstory as to what's going on. Paul is currently in prison. And as he's in prison, he's sitting there and the Holy Spirit fills him with this vision to see the armor. Now, there's Roman soldiers guarding him, and so he notices, like, oh, they're wearing armor. And so the Holy Spirit gives him this vision of just like, you know what, yeah, we, maybe we need to take up our armor too because in the spiritual, we got to fight battles. We got to fight battles. If there's depression lingering in your family, it, you, need to, you have a battle to fight. It's a generational curse. Some people may be like, my mother struggled with depression, and so I now struggle with depression, or my father struggled with alcoholism, and now I struggle with it. And some, things, and some people don't classify that as generational, but it's generational. And so what Paul is saying is like, hey, there's a battle for us to fight, and we have to put on the right armor. We have to be fitted with the right armor. And the armor that you had last season isn't going to work in this season because that armor was specific for that season. Some of us are, we, we're entrepreneurs. God has called us to bigger and better things. God has called us to big, has given us business ideas. He's, he's called us to get our degrees. He's called us to start a new venture in our life. And what happens is, is that we wear the old, we cling onto this word that God gave us this season. And then when, again, what does everyone say? New level, new devils. And then we come up against a new devil, and we're like, what is going on? Why do I feel overwhelmed? And God is like, you haven't renewed myself, like Romans says, renew your mind in my word. And so your armor is ill-fitting. It's not going to work. We take a look, even, even if we look in the Old Testament at David, right? When David went to go fight Goliath, it said that King Saul gave him all of his personal armor. It was like, here, this is my personal armor from the king that you can use to go fight Goliath. But David said, uh-uh. 
Like, this is cool and all, and I tried it on, but it doesn't fit me right now because I'm used to fighting this battle with what I have on, and I'm going to go in the power of Jesus. And I believe that there's some people in here that are running into battle without any armor on. You, we want to run into battle and break these addictions or break these curses, but you're going out there with zero armor on. How can you fight a battle? Listen, how can you fight a spiritual battle? How can you fight something unseen if you're not even clothing your mind in truth? You're not even equipped for the battle. You know, like if, again, if we were to show up to any sport or any job and we didn't have on the proper uniform and we didn't have on the proper attire, we would be ill fit to do what, what we're called to do in that moment. Imagine a football player going up on the field without any padding on. He's like, I'm ready, y'all. You are going to get laid out. You're going to get laid out. Or some of us, we want to put on certain parts of the armor, but we don't want to put on the whole thing. Again, using the analogy of a football player, he shows up on the field and he's got his helmet on, but he has no pads on. And some of us are running into battle and saying, God, we want you to change this. We want you to move in this area, but we don't want to put on the right equipment. We don't want to put on the right equipment. And Paul is telling us here, like, hey, you're going to have to clothe yourself in the spiritual realms. You're going to have to put something on because if you don't put on this armor, you're going to get hit. And, it's going to t and the thing is, imagine running onto the field without any equipment on and he gets tackled, right? It doesn't take him out for the moment. It takes him out. It could take him out for the rest of the season. So imagine us as Christians. We're running onto this battlefield. We're taking land in the name of Jesus. We're running out without armor on, but we don't put the right, number one, we don't put the right armor, we don't have the right size armor on. Number two, we're not even putting the armor on, and then we get hit by the scheme of the enemy, and it doesn't only take us out for this season, it takes us out for several seasons. Now all of a sudden, I don't want to go to church. Now all of a sudden, I don't want to fight these spiritual battles. I don't want to fight this generational curse. I don't want to pray. I don't want to stand in the gap and pray for my family. I don't want to do that because they cursed me out. They said something to me. And you have to understand that, that the physical is just a byproduct of what's going on in the spiritual. Someone, your family member's mad at you for, for reasons you don't understand, whatever's going on, that's just a byproduct of what's going on in the spiritual. And so listen, that's just the fruit. Your, whatever addiction people are, are going through, whatever they're going through, that's the fruit. We need to start attacking the root. And so Paul is saying, if you're going to attack the root, if you're going to get to the root of the issue, if you're going to go to the base of the tree and pull out the root, if you're going to take that out, you need to be clothed with the right armor. You need to be clothed with the right armor, and it needs to be the right size. Anyone ever see a football player wear small, small pads? Silly. Silly. What happens when you wear the wrong size armor, though? If it's too small, it leaves gaps, right? Now you're getting hit in areas that you're like, I thought this was protected, but it's not. How did this hit me here? Because it's not the right size, because it's not the right size for that season. And so there is a succession in which Paul says, we must put on the armor, are you guys with me this morning? I know this ain't an amen, hallelujah type of thing, but this is teaching right here. Like, I'm teaching y'all to, you're going to learn something. 
He says, put on the full armor. People, here's the other thing, is like, people know the word, right? People know the word, but they don't want to live by the word. You see what I mean? You got to understand, these Roman soldiers, when they were training, they weren't training without their armor, with their armor off. They were training with the armor on. And it's heavy armor. When you, as you, when you, if you ever played football, if you ever played basketball, volleyball, whatever, whatever sport you played, you, anyone train with all their equipment on, right? Right? Because you have to become comfortable with the, with how much it weighs. Some of us, we're living our Christian lives without our armor on. And so when we go into battle, it's like, oh, this battle's so heavy. Oh, this is so exhausting. Why am I so out of it? Because you haven't been training. You haven't been training. You've just been kind of, you know, living this life and just been like, well, I'm just, I guess I'm just going to pray over this and it'll go away. No. You have to work out in this armor. You have to... I know there's a, a couple of guys who went into the military. Jalen is in law enforcement. Yep, holler Jalen. Um, he just graduated law enforcement. I know that when they work out, and, and I was talk, I've talked to a guy who used to come to our church. He's like, we have to run. Oh, Eric knows. How many times do you have to run in all your gear? Every time. Every time. In the hot sun. In the cold, cold. You have to wear all your gear every time because you have to know what your gear feels like. The reason why a lot of Christians were so not ready for spiritual warfare is because we haven't trained with our gear on. We haven't. And so when we put it on, it's like, oh, this is, I, don't, I don't know if I want to pray this long, God. Do I have to pray for an hour? God, do I? You called me to fast how many days? Three? God, you know how I am on the first day? You want me to go and spend time with them and pray with them? Can't I just give them $5 and make them go away? And so what Paul says, he starts off, he's like, if you're going to put this armor on, and this is not like a once in a season thing, right? This is a daily thing. This is a daily thing. I know when Eric and it was, it was in the military, this was a daily thing. I know these guys got to put their equipment on daily. It wasn't like, hey, Commander, I don't feel like putting all that stuff on right now. Could you give me like a 20? I'll come back. I got these really nice jeans I want to wear to the field if it's cool with you. See, it wasn't, it wasn't a choice. And we think in this Christian walk that when we said yes to Jesus that these battles were a choice. They're not a choice because it's either going to come for you or it's going to come for your children or it's going to come for your children's children. And so where does it stop? Does it stop with you? Or does it stop with your child? Or does it stop with your uh, great-grandchild? Like, where does it stop? I know for me and my family, generational curses stop with me. It stopped with me. I put it on me. I'm like, God, I'm going to, as a, uncomfortable and as much as I got to battle this, it's going to stop with me. This is not going to pass on to my children. And so what does he do? He says, Paul says, put the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Put that belt of truth on you. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. 
That's why it's in order. That's why truth has to come first. Because if truth doesn't come first, all the other armor is out of sync. Imagine that soldier on the field without a belt on. See, a belt kept his tunic tight. If he didn't have his belt on, all the rest of the stuff is going to fall down. If he didn't have his belt of truth on, if he didn't have his belt on, where can he lay his sword to hold it in the holster? If you don't have truth, if truth is not holding the rest of your armor up, how do you expect your armor to stay in place? It won't. Because if truth isn't, if Jesus isn't the truth in the beginning of your life, then your righteousness will shift. If the truth isn't the beginning, then nothing else will fit properly. So truth must be the first thing. Jesus says the truth will set you free. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He says, I am the truth. And if you don't have truth for us, how do you get the rest of the stuff? How are you ready for warfare? Because if you don't have truth, the enemy don't even got to fire an arrow your way. He'll just come and tell you, like, you know, well, if they are Christians, how come she's acting like this? How come they're acting like this? The, the enemy's just going to whisper lies. He's just going to come and tell, fill your mind with lies. But if you know the truth, if you know the truth, and if the, you're like, if the enemy comes to you like, listen, I know I messed up, I know my life is a mess, but Jesus said he's come and set me free, that he's redeemed me and he's made me new. And guess what? I ain't there yet, but I'm getting there. He's, re he's changing me day after day, moment after moment. He's constantly changing me. And so I know I have new life in Christ Jesus. Even though I may not feel it, I know there's new life in Christ Jesus. And that is battling lies with truth. It's saying, God, I, I know your truth has to be first. And then it says, the breastplate of righteousness. You guys know that righteousness, a breastplate, will cover all of your vital organs. In the same way, a real-life breastplate would cover all your vital organs. Righteousness desires to cover all your vital organs. Your heart. Imagine running into battle without any armor on, without that thing on. You're just a target. You're an easy target. If I'm the enemy, I'm like, look at that silly dude there. Let's get him first. He doesn't have no armor protecting his chest or nothing. That's why scripture says, that's why it says in Proverbs, above all else, guard your heart. Because out of your heart determines your path. And it says it twice. It says it in Proverbs 3 and it says it in Proverbs 4. First, it says to give your heart to God. Give your heart to God, and it will change the course of your direction of your life. And then the second in Proverbs 3 or 4, go back. I know it's like 3.23 or 4. It says guard your heart above all else. Above all else. And here Paul is saying, hey, put on this breastplate of righteousness. You need to guard your heart. Because there are going to be things that the enemy shoots your way, and it can, if it takes out your heart, it can take you out. Some people haven't guard, guarded their heart well. That's why they're a slave to money. Some people haven't guarded their heart. That's how come they're, they're in a broken relationship. Some people haven't guarded their heart. That's why they don't even know who they are. But when you guard your, when you have truth, and then you guard your heart, when the enemy comes in with lies, you can say, no, 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 no. I know that, first of all, I know the truth has set me free, and I know I'm being made righteous day by day. You have to guard your heart. It covers all the vital organs. It's the wellspring of your life. 
It says also in scripture that out of the mouth the heart speaks. Where my heart is protected, where my heart is covered. When I say, God, guard my heart, God, I give you my heart, I give you my life, guard it, because I know what's in there. I believe that when, whenever I put on this, whenever I put on this righteousness, that God is saying, all right, your heart is, I'm guarding your heart. I'm going to keep you from the things that will tempt you. Yeah, they're going to tempt you. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna look attractive. They're going to look appealing. But I'm going to keep your heart in righteousness. Protect your heart. Protect your heart. And it says, the next thing was, put on the shoes of the gospel. That's why I got cool sneakers, y'all. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> My, my, my feet are blessed because, you know, I bring the gospel. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Um, it says, feet fitted with the readiness. And the, the shoes for the gospel. Once you have on truth, once you put on righteousness, it says, put on, get your shoes ready. And at that time, they didn't have, like, you know, shoes that we have now. They have more, like, sandals. But you got to, he says, Paul is saying, hey, get, get your feet ready. Why is that important? I was like, why is that there? Like, God, I've seen battles, people fight battles, like, barefoot in Memphis. <laughs> you know, like, I've seen that happen recently. Why, why are shoes important? Because God is like, you got to put shoes on because wherever I'm sending you, you got, your heart has to be, spiritually, your feet have to be ready to share the gospel wherever you go. It says that it has to be ready. Like your feet have to be ready. Did you notice? I don't know if you guys know this, but in certain parts of the world, there are a lot of diseases that happen that come from not wearing shoes. Like hookworms get in, get into your feet and cause diseases in your foot. And so I want to share with you. The same, like, the Holy Spirit just put this in me. Like, this ain't something I wrote down. He just put this in me. Like, there are times in our lives in the spiritual where we're walking on territory that is new, that God wants us to take, but that yet there are things coming up and trying to eat at you, and it'll eat away at your feet before it gets to you. There's going to be something in your life that when you're like, I'm going to go share the gospel today. I'm going to go tell someone about Jesus. And then in, out of the ground will come a hookworm and be like, yeah, but remember what you did last night? Oh, you're ready to share the gospel, but you didn't even read your Bible. Oh, you're going to go share the gospel, but they don't even like you. You look different from them. And so in the same way in the physical, the way you can get, like, if I were to walk barefoot out, out in Memphis right now, it'd be like, that is the dumbest thing you've ever done because there's all kinds of broken glass and bottles that's going to stop you. It's going to encumber you from moving forward. It's going to stop you, and you're like, you're gonna, your feet are going to get cut. So put shoes on. And so in the same way, the spiritual Jesus is like, put your shoes ready to share the gospel because I've got areas that I want you to go, that I want you to take in the name of Jesus. And so this gospel has to be ready. So put some spiritual shoes on that when all this thing comes your way, you can step over it and around it. And even if you were to step on it, that's okay because it's not going to stop you from advancing my gospel. So your feet have to be ready. Some of us are in Memphis and we're like, I don't know how we got to Memphis, right? Amen. You're like, 
because every, every Memphian asks you, why Memphis? It's just like, I don't know. I just remember one morning I put on my armor and God sent me here because my feet were ready. See, the gospel is going to take you places that you're not even ready for. But, you, but all of us say, God, use me, God. Use me. I want to be used by you, Lord. God, I don't want to sit in this coffee shop anymore. I want to fulfill every promise you have for me. And then God was like, go to Memphis. Are you sure that's a promise, God? You know what I mean? <laughs> God doesn't move because he feels like you're qualified. He moves because you said yes. Like he, just because you said yes, he's like, oh, they're ready. And then your prayers change. And then you're walking out of your house, and you're like, God, whomever I meet. And, God, and sometimes it's not even meeting a new person. It's meeting the people you've seen every day, the people at your office, the people in your school. It's not meeting a brand new person. Sometimes it's just meeting the per your, your, your coworker who has never said anything nice about you that God is like, are you ready for the gospel today? God, I'm ready to share the gospel. Go share the gospel with her. Mm. <laughs> for real? Huh? You know she mean? I said good morning and she just rolled her eyes. She didn't even say anything back. Her? Can I share it with Billy? Billy likes to talk. He's like, no, 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 go. Oh, the gospel's ready. See, you got to be ready with the gospel. And then it says, take up the shield of faith. The shield of faith. I just believe whatever you're doing in life, you got to have big faith. Whatever God's called you to, your faith, because I believe that your shield of faith varies in size depending on how much faith you have. Little faith, little shield. And I know in my life, I'm like, God, I want to have big faith. I want to have big faith. Because what does a shield do? When you, what happens when you put up a shield? You hide behind it, right? And so if you have a little shield a widow shield, you're going to put up your shield and you're like, there's not much to hide behind. And Jesus like, and Paul is saying, hey, get ready with your shield of faith because there are going to be flaming arrows coming from the enemy that's going to try and take you out. And I know, I know in my heart, the bigger faith you have, them, them arrows can fly. And I'm just going to stand behind my faith like, I know what God told me. I know what God, I know the vision God put in my heart. I know the plan he set for my family, and I know what God told me. So I want to encourage you today. I don't know what the size of your shield may be, but grow in your faith. Whatever God put in your heart, the vision he put in your heart, the thing that he said in your heart, like, oh, my whole household's going to be saved, then you stand on that word, your whole household's going to be saved. Oh, I'm going to live a pure life and I'm going to live with integrity, then you believe that and have faith in that because we serve a big God with an audacious vision and you need to have that shield that's real big, big and just be like, oh, the enemy's coming? I want my faith to be so big, my shield to be so big, it's like I'm standing behind a house. They don't even know I'm there. We're just shooting at this thing. Is he behind there? Oh, he's behind there. Keep firing. Let your faith grow. And as your faith grows, your shield grows. Because someone's going to come and tell you, are you sure you're qualified to do that? And your brother, just grab him by the face. Get out of my way. My faith too big for you. 
there's some Christians running into battle with little faith. And that's why their heart's getting hit so many times is because you have a little shield and you can't protect your heart as much as you want to. And so your, your breastplate's getting hit all over because you don't have a big shield to guard. And so if anything, if you walk out today, I pray that God grows your faith bigger than you. If you've ever learned anything in history, you guys heard about the Spartan army, right? Their shields were so big that it would need to guard like right under their chin to like right below, like kind of below their kneecap. And it had to be big enough where it could not only shield them, but it could also shield their, their brother next to them. That's how big their shields were. And so you have to understand that as you carry your shield of faith, yes, it's going to be heavy. Yes, it may, not, it may not look the way, but the bigger it gets, you're not only having faith for you, but behind me I need to have faith for my wife, and behind me I need to have faith for my kids, so I need my faith to be big because it needs to protect all of us, not just me, it needs to protect all of them. And so the same thing for you, as you stand in the gap for your family, as you stand in the gap for your children, as you stand in the gap for your, your shield needs to be big because there are a lot of people who are with you who are like, I need his faith to be big so I can keep on going behind him. And I want to let you know that as your shield grows, as your faith grows, that their shield's going to grow too. It's going to be like, man, my, I want my shield to be like his. I want it to grow like his. And then all of a sudden, their faith's going to start growing. This is generational, y'all. You, you, you grow faith by seeing someone else's faith. Listen, you need to be the one that stands in the gap today and say, you know what? I need to get ready. I need to get ready. And then, as I close... It says to put on the helmet of salvation. In 1 John 5.11 it says, If we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God has given us eternal life, and this is in his Son. Sorry, the first one was in John 1.9. It says he is faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then in 1 John 5.11, it says, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son, Jesus. And his son has life. The helmet of salvation is to protect your head. Why? Why do you need to protect your head with salvation? Because the longest journey in our lives, the longest journey we'll ever have is between our head and our hearts. Because our heart knows what the Spirit says. Our heart knows that we're loved by God. Our heart knows this. But sometimes it's hard to get this mind in order, right? Sometimes we do something stupid and it get, like our mind is out of order. And it's just like, man, I feel like it's off. And that's why that's the longest journey is because my heart knows. It's like my heart says, God, I love you with all of my heart. God, I love you with all of I am. God, I want to serve you. And that's our heart. And that's our heart. But the problem is that our head is saying something different. And Jesus is saying, put on that helmet of salvation because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I've set you free. And so I know your heart knows that, but your head needs to get in order. Because sometimes our head is in mess. 
God is like, put on that helmet. Put on that helmet of salvation. So every time, every time that you fall short, you get up and you say, God is making me new. Every time the enemy says that you're not made new, that you're just your old self, you have on that helmet of salvation that says, no, I'm new in Christ Jesus. I know I messed up, but I'm going to keep on rising. It says that the, the righteous man falls down six, but gets up seven. And that's when you start recording the verses in your head. Because this helmet of salvation is going to protect me from all the spiritual lies of the enemy. This helmet, guess what? I'm going to put this helmet on because my salvation is sound and concrete in Christ Jesus. I know what my heart says. I know what my heart says. But mind, you must get in order to what my heart says. You see, Jesus never came to change your mind. He came to change your heart. He never came for your mind. He never came to convince you in your mind. He says, no, 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 I've come to make your heart new. So if God can make your heart new, you need, on some days, and guys, I know this, I know this because I've, I've had my battles with depression, I've had my battles with doubt, I've had my battles with fear, and there were days where I needed to close my eyes and just say, no, mine, you come in the authority under my heart because I know who runs my heart, I know who sits on the throne of my heart, mine, you need to shift in authority to my heart because God owns my heart. So I'm going to put on this helmet of salvation even though, even though I feel wicked, even though I know I messed up, even though I fell short, my, my coming under authority, under my heart because Christ owns my heart. And then, not the least of it, he says, take up the sword of the Spirit. This is it. This is it. He says, take up the sword of the Spirit. If you notice, out of all this armor, this is the only offensive tool. Everything else is protection and defense. This is the only offensive tool that you have. This is it. And, and here, let me blow your mind just a little bit more, right? This is going to bake your noodle. All the other ones you can't see. This is the one you can see. So not only is it a physical weapon, it's also a spiritual weapon. This thing is existing in both dimensions. All the other ones are spiritual, right? The helmet is spiritual. You can't see it. The breastplate is spiritual. The shoes, spiritual. All this stuff. But this word is physical. It's right here for us. And then when we read it and we speak it, it's taking down everything in the spiritual. This is the only offensive weapon. And the thing is, you could have a big shield of faith, but if you're not offensive as well, how long does, how long does that shield stay up for? It can't last. This is take up the sword of the Spirit. Take up the sword of the Spirit. to let you know that on, on its own, this sword doesn't rust, it doesn't dull, it doesn't get old, it's never broken, it, it doesn't need to be mended, this sword is generational, you can pass it on, and I'm not talking about the physical book, you can pass it on 
and on, the only way it'll stay sharp in your life is if you read it. And here's a step further. Not only if you read it, but you begin to apply it to your life. In Hebrews, it says, the Bible is described as a living and powerful sword. It says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's sharper than that. The Bible says that no weapon formed against you will prosper. So we know that a weapon will form, but we know that it won't prosper. But we know that this word that's sharper than any two-edged sword, it says it can divide the bone from the marrow. And the thing is, is that so many times there's a lot of people out there who want to read and dissect the Bible. And the Bible's doing something different. I read the Bible because I want it to dissect me. I want it to dissect me. I want it to I want it to show me where God needs to change me. I want it to show me where God wants to grow in me. That's why it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Listen, someone can come in here with a knife and cause great harm, but it says, who cares if they can cause great harm in the physical, but they don't own your soul. You want to be dissected? You want to be dissected in the spiritual? All of us have watched some type of medical show, right? We all know that they have a scalpel. It says that this word is sharper than a physical scalpel? It's sharper than that? Yeah, because a scalpel can fix what's in the physical, but this word can change what's in the spiritual. And if you could change it at the root, you could change the course of your entire life. Oh, man. Whew. I've said this time and time again, and with certain movements and certain things that are going on in this world, it always, <clears throat> whatever determines the use of the tool is always dependent on the person who's holding it. We know a sharp knife in the hands of a criminal is a weapon, right? A sharp knife in the hand of a, of a criminal is a weapon. Yet that same sharp knife in the hand of a doctor is a tool to heal. If we were to take the same knife, put it in the hands of a doctor, he's like, I, you know what, it's not the best, but I can use this to heal someone. This word in the hands of a fully armed Christian is also a weapon and a tool it advances. It's like, no, you can't have my family. No, you can't have my credit score. No, you can't have my house. Right? Some of us are like, amen, pastor. You, you can't have my household. You know what, enemy? You cannot have my spouse. You can't have my husband. You can't have my wife. You can't have my kids. You can't have my mother. You can't have my father. And you may not be doing that in the spiritual, I mean in the physical, but in the spiritual, God is saying that you're using this word to divide bone and marrow. It's the only offensive tool. Everything else is to protect and defend. This is the only offensive tool. And then I don't want to leave this out because we're going to talk about this next week. For every great football team, for every great sports team, basketball, football, baseball, 
all of them have a little war cry. Right? I know some military go, oh, like that's their war cry, right? Right? Yes, no? Or, or is it Semper Fi? Yeah, or that, right? All of them have a war cry. I know the 90-something bulls when Jordan was on there, they used to have this thing was like, it's game time, Woo. And if you've seen Remember the Titans, anyone seen Remember the Titans? Remember when they came out? Hooing and hotting? Woo. There you go. And it says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. You're not putting this stuff on the physical, you're putting this stuff on in the spiritual. And prayer is your war cry. Prayer is your war cry. All these guys, before they went into battle, before a game was played, all of them had this war cry, and they get excited, and they just, whoo, you know, and they're just in the locker room, just pushing each other. I wouldn't be the one to be pushed, like, don't push me. You know, like, I get excited on my own. And they all have this war cry, but you have to understand that prayer is your war cry. And you're praying, God, I'm about to go into battle, and it may be literal, or maybe spiritual, God, I'm about to go into this room, and God, you know I'm unqualified to be in this room. You know I'm not supposed to be in this room with these people, but God, I'm giving this battle to you because this, is, this battle belongs to the Lord. And so, God, I'm not fighting this in the, in the physical, but I'm fighting this in the spiritual. God, you know I want this promotion. God, you know I'm not to, they want me to argue with them, and I'm not going to argue, but I'm going to start my war cry. Your war cry, that's what gets you going. Your prayer is what gets you going. If you don't have a prayer, if you don't have a war cry, if you don't have a prayer time before you leave your house, if you don't have a prayer time before your kids leave your house, your family leave your house, I pray that you get a war cry. For some of you, you just need to be in your car and you're like, man, the devil gonna get these hands today. says pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. I started looking up, I was like, why, why did they have war, war cries? Like, what was the point of it? Like, you know, because to us it sounds silly, right? Like you hear a war cry, especially where there's no war going on, you're like, what is going on? But war cry did something in their mental it was all mental. Like, a lot of that stuff is mental. They have these, these chants and these war cries because they're like, you know what? My body needs to get, my mind needs to get in alignment as to what's about to happen. The reason why you haven't stepped into the room that God's called you to, the reason why you haven't moved into the next season is because God is wanting you to get a war cry. God is wanting you to get a prayer cry that when you start praying, it's just like, okay, okay, you know what? In the spiritual, I'm aligned in the physical. What did, what did we say last week? What did we say about prayer last week? Prayer is just requesting what God already said he was going to do. It's just God, you're just asking for God for something he already intended on doing. 
When you start that war cry, when you start that prayer, you're saying, God, I know you've already intended it and doing it in the heavenlies, and here's my war cry. I just believe that right now you're going to bring me out of this addiction. I believe that right now you have a job for me. You have a place of employment for me where I'm going to take the ground for Jesus, and I'm going to push back all of hell. I believe that right now in my school, I'm going to make a difference, and I'm going to set a standard. I believe right now, Lord God, that wherever you're sending me, you're creating an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit, that's your war cry. Your war cry is happening. You need to get a war cry. You see, you got to know that in the wilderness, that when lions are hunting, the first thing they take out is the throat. Because if they could take out the throat, they can take out the animal's call for help. And what is the enemy? He's a roaring lion. A lion. He's roaring and lying. Seeking whom he can devour. Yeah, lions, when they attack other animals, they take out the throat first because if they can cut off your air and cut off your, your voice to call for help, and I believe that the enemy tries to do the same thing, but I believe when he comes against us, he's coming against us all wrong. We start with that war cry first, and then we start putting on our armor. God, give me the helmet of salvation. Protect my thoughts today. Guard my thoughts. Lord God, protect my heart, Lord God, I put on this breastplate of righteousness. Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that my feet are ready to share the gospel, Lord God. Lord God, as I read my word today, Lord God, I pray that the sword of the Spirit becomes sharper and sharper. And Lord God, give me a shield of faith, Lord God. Lord God, and I pray that this belt of truth stays fastened around my waist to hold all of this up. In Jesus' name. You guys mind standing with me? She's going to come up and take some announcements. But before we get to that. Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Church Podcast. Let's go one step further. Subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends and see how this word changes their life. At Pioneer, we believe in journeying together. If you want to support this ministry, go to pioneerchurch.com give to continue to help us to reach people for Jesus. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.